On this episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we'll be discussing Running Scared from 1986, starring Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. Joining us for discussion is John Stephen Roca from Collider Movie Talk and host of The Cinephiles. Welcome to Cult Cinema Cavalcade, a bi-weekly movie podcast that features hosts Brandon and Cullen discussing a film from cinema's past, considered but not limited to being a cult classic. As a disclaimer, each episode will include plot spoilers and may contain harsh language. Episodes available on cultcinemacavalcade.com and iTunes. Like the show on Facebook and follow on Twitter at CC Cavalcade. For questions, suggestions, and all inquiries, contact us via mail at cultcinemacavalcade.com. Pardon me, officer, but I seem to have gotten him from right over there. Well, this is a real top. This is the top. I hit that man with every shot. You know, finally, this is just frightening. In other words, you have hit everybody that you've ever shot at. No, I haven't hit everybody, but I hit him. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Great. This is Jess. This is Cult Cinema Cavalcade. This is episode 41. This is me under the weather, Brandon. And as always with me is your sweetly free co-hoster, Colin. Oh, sweet freedom, shine light on me. Yeah. Today we're here to discuss the 1986 crime thriller comedy, Running Scared. Cullen, give us the APB on the plot. Two streetwise Chicago cops have to shake off some rust after returning from a Key West vacation to pursue a drug dealer who nearly killed them in the past. Running Scared is directed by Peter Himes and stars Billy Crystal, Gregory Hines, Jimmy Schmitz, Darlene Flugel, Joe Pantoliano, Stephen Bauer, John Grease, Tracy Reed, and David Hedaya. Hey, thanks to everyone for coming back to Cults of McCain. And if we picked up any new listeners with our last episode checking us out, hey, welcome back. We go from that uh, Christy Lee episode now on to one of our favorite guests, Mr. John Stephen Roca. Hello, everyone. Hey, Johnny, how you been? I've been good, man. Thank you for having me back on. I'm looking forward to talking about this film when we get to it. Yeah, yeah definitely. So you want to tell us what you're up to now? I mean, you had a couple of shows back when you were on before, but you've changed some, gone to different ones, still on some yeah. ideas. Yeah, yeah. I mean, I'm on uh, Collider Movie Talk every Friday at 10 a.m. Pacific Standard Time on the Collider Network on YouTube. That's one of the shows I'm really, really proud of that I was very blessed to be asked to be a prominent Friday morning panelist on. And we talk about uh, the latest news on uh, in the world of TVs and, mo- and TV and movies, and also co-host for Super Animation Game Time. That's on Geek and Sundry, their Twitch channel on their Alpha platform every Wednesday at 1 p.m. Pacific Standard Time. And uh, Yuri Lowenthal, who is my co-host, he is he is just a, it's numerous credits in the world of animation and, and video games. We welcome someone from the world of animation, voiceover, or video games to talk about how they got into it and also about who they are as people. It's kind of a way of like us having sitting, we, we liken it to just sitting down in a basement over a couple of beers and hanging out with somebody and just getting to know them. 
And that's how our show is. And it's all, it's there on camera, which we're really happy about. And the other show I do, which I'm really proud of, is The Cinephiles, which is uh, the, the word the and then C-I-N-E-Files on uh, iTunes, rather. And then on Stitcher, it's Cine-Files. I mean, Cine-Space Files. Uh, and uh, my film professor friend, Steve Morris, and I, we break down a classic film uh, in sometime that was released sometime before the last 10 years. And we talk about it, break down its history, and explore uh, its um, legacy in the world of film. Uh, we have such a great time doing that. It's about an hour to an hour and a half. We have special guests. We just dropped Boogie Nights, depending on when you're releasing this episode. And we've got Star Trek II Wrath of Khan coming out in the next week or so uh, with a very special guest who's been my rival in the Schmodown and my rival on Screen Junkies Movie Fights. So I think you guys can guess who that is. But uh, it's going to be, it's an awesome, awesome episode. So it's such, and it's such a great podcast. So I really, really love it. But Freddie Prince Jr. has got your back, right? I mean, Freddie's my boy. He's in my, I'm, I'm right. fighting for the title on February 17th against Dan Morrow for the Schmodown title. And, and the Freddie Prince is, is throwing all his support behind the outlaw. So I've got Kane and Jarris. There you go. There you go. Yeah, I love seeing you get so much work and stuff. I mean, I'm as your friend, I'm proud, and knowing how much you like to get out and do this stuff, it makes me really happy. Thank you, man. Thank you, man. So, I appreciate uh, that very much, man. Yeah, and uh, of course, you are on a, our guest, quote unquote, classic to one person rhinestone episode. With fan, fan, <laughs> fan and colleague Johnny Lyles, who Colin and I guest on uh, numerous shows of his, likes to always bring up the Rhinestone episode and how we got it wrong. Um, we, so, we talk about Rhinestone more than the people that made Rhinestone. Yeah, yeah. We've brought it back to the local public conscience. I don't know. I, who knows? But, okay. So, Johnny, we forced you into Rhinestone last time. But, um, so... Why Running Scared? You We let you pick. Oh, yeah. Running Scared is one of my just guilty pleasure movies from the 80s, directed by Peter Hyams, starring Billy Crystal, Gregory Hines, Jimmy Smith, Darlene, Darlene Flugel, who people might remember from Live and Die, To Live and Die in L.A. Mm-hmm. She's, this whole film is just such a fun buddy cop film with the right amount of humor and some very hard drama, you know? And people yeah. forget now, you know, Billy Crystal... Now the older Billy Crystal, City Slickers, but people forget that Billy Crystal back in the 80s could play these harder edge characters in certain movies. And he was he was really believable doing this. And then Gregory Hines as well having that kind of play. And then you have Dan Hedaya as the typical, you know, chief of police type thing. And so the film itself is just such a fun time and also the harder edge to it gives it that right combination that worked for those kinds of films in the 80s, just like Lethal Weapon had a harder edge but still had those moments this of humor and levity. Pre-le- I mean, this was before Lethal Weapon. Yeah. It was, was yeah, yeah, yeah. probably more akin to like what, trying to rip off, not rip off, but be in the vein of like 48 Hours. Probably yeah, was 48 Hours, that's yeah. a great comparison. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. But it's, it's a film that should have had a sequel and never did because Gregory or, or, or Billy couldn't agree on the script or Peter Himes. And none of them could just, they, the three of them couldn't find a time to like uh, to approve a script, like they couldn't reach a, a unanimous approval of a script, and it never, and eventually, just the desire for a sequel fell away. Um, and I went to see it actually at the at the New Beverly here in L.A. About oh, cool! A year and a half ago, with Peter Hyams and Darlin Flugel in audience to talk about it, and that's where they told me that like they did not have the chance to do the sequel because they didn't approve the script at the same time, and that's a shame. 
Yeah. And it was a, I mean, it was a moderate hit and it had a yeah. pretty big yeah. soundtrack that was a good seller. Yeah. You mean Sweet Freedom? Sweet Freedom, yeah. Yeah, yeah I pointed out to uh, Brandon this afternoon that <laughs> there was a video for Sweet Freedom with Michael McDonald that had Billy Crystal and uh, Gregory Hines in it. And it is yes. it is something else. It, it is looked like definitely... they just took the montage from the movie and just like shot a few shots of Michael McDonald around it. <laughs> in a yeah. Hawaiian shirt. Let me tell you something. I have that video on my iTunes. I bought it. And it's on my iTunes, and I watch it every once in a while. There you now, go. Do, do you yeah. do you watch I, it to see uh, Gregory's uh, midriff? Because yes. man, in the between Chicago that Bears jersey, yes. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and what orange more parachute pants or whatever. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> he loves to show off that midriff. I mean, he shows it off like someone that lost a bunch of weights. <laughs> Oh. Absolutely. Now this, as you mentioned, this cast is stacked. Yeah. Dude. Like it's to the point where I'm upset because, uh, like Stephen Bauer and John Grease, I'm like, I want more of yeah. them. But you can't really. I mean, they are their parts, but because yeah. I know them, and John Grease has never aged, right? Like that's. Oh. That's his thing. He's still the same. And I yeah, used to, no. I used to think that I like. He's always looked strung out. I've always felt like Billy Crystal is an age, but then I went back to this movie. I'm like, yeah, he's really young here. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. He's great here, man. Oh, he is. Yeah, he's great. I mean, he's it's a different side of him that you don't totally. – when you think it's typical Crystal, it's yeah. it's there, but it's in a whole different different way. And I, when I watched it, I thought, why can't you be like this Billy Crystal? Now it's – I don't know. I don't want to yeah. you know, say anything bad about – anyone but it seems <laughs> hack now i guess well, well, the, the, the parts just started fading away i mean he got you know harry yeah. met sally comes you know a, f- a few years after this and then he starts you know that's what people want to see him in so he starts going more in that direction i, I remember the last time he hosted the oscars he started like singing and i thought all right that's enough well, that, that was, was, the that was always show. billy crystal's thing though with when he hosted i know but it it, yeah. it hasn't aged well whereas this has aged pretty well yeah right yeah. it's still watchable i watched it in preparation for this podcast uh yesterday and i was like this is still just as enjoyable as the first time i saw it mm-hmm. as the first time i saw it yeah and it's i'll tell you what this is a a really good like Chicago movie. This like feels yeah. like Chicago. I mean, a lot. There's a lot of movies that take place in Chicago, but this one really feels like it gets like the attitude and the like the, the kind of feel of the city right. Well, the yeah. whole opening song of the movie is the shots of Chicago. For, right. Like, three minutes. Yeah. Let's dig into the movie. We start with uh, Costanzo and Hughes, who are, I guess, are they just street cops or are they undercover? I think they're just uh, plain clothes. I think they're undercover. undercover. Actually, plain clothes would be them in like actual uniform. Yeah, so they're they're undercover cops. Yeah, definitely. But so, not like hardcore undercover, obviously. They're they're faking like they're you know sharing a, a brown bag you know bottle of booze by a fire watching a, a pickup game and they're waiting for a, a dealer to show. And yeah. and then a car shows up that they see a guy that they've arrested before named Snake played by Joe Pantoliano, Joey Pants, and Joey Pants, Joey Pants and. Weird to see him playing like a young punk. By the way, he's always older, yeah, yeah. you know. But uh, they give chase to him. I love. They he goes into his apartment to escape them, and you know holds up against the door. And Gregory Hines, he's, you know, threatens him. But he's like, "Here's the situation. 
I have this gun here. I'm going to take the gun out, and I'm going to shoot a lot of holes in the door. If you are standing in front of the door, what can I tell you? Some of those holes are going to be in you. You catching my drift, Snake? <laughs> and if you happen to be there, he ends up, he has a suitcase with $50,000 in it, and they want to take him in uh, downtown to question him. They said, okay, you don't have to come in with us. So Hughes, or Costanzo, he goes out and announces to the pickup game outside, which is apparently some ruffians, about the $50,000 in the case, which Snake, that Snake has, and to, you know, to make sure he's, you know, it's a neighborhood watch thing to make him safe, and then Snake begs them to arrest him. They, they, they come walking over from their pickup game of basketball in December, you know, yeah. like you do playing basketball outside. <laughs> hey, now nowadays, hey, nowadays, uh, is there a winner? Oh yeah. <laughs> well, back then we had winter. Someday we'll be able to tell our children about how it got under fifty degrees. Right. <laughs> but uh, they're looking for uh, Julio Gonzalez, who's played by Jimmy Schmitz, and trying yeah. to get. Uh, they're trying to get the info from Snake, and then they get end up on their way to take him down downtown, I guess, to book him or whatever. They're halted at an emergency stop where someone's jumped off a building. Through that, they're learning that Julio Gonzalez is cleaning up his image, trying to go, you know, be Al Capone. So I guess that's a cleaned up image. Is Al Capone? I don't. <laughs> uh, but Costanzo, he makes a stop at his aunt's funeral on the way. And uh, they bring Snake to it, and his we meet his ex-wife Anna there. And then on the way back to the car, uh, they get held up. And then they reveal to these guys, these punks, that they're cops, which scares them, kind of scares them off. And they try to escape in their car, but their vehicle gets blocked off an alley, turns around, and you know, uh, Costanzo and Hughes just shoot up the car. And uh, <laughs> I'm like, geez, did they just kill them? And they're like high fiving, but no, the guys they. They come out of the car. So they just <laughs> and they're arguing. No, I murdered that guy. No, I murdered I that guy. <laughs> but no, we get a we get a series of little uh, kind of sketches to kind of introduce us to how things are done. And I mean, they, yeah. it's a lot of quippy, you know, back and forth. And Heinz and 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 Crystal definitely have chemistry like right off the bat. Like it's yep, it's real good. And well, Pants, Joey Pants other, is good with them like too. They've been friends since they were ten. Yeah, but they refuse to keep each other's side the whole movie. And this, and this is predating the whole like you know Gibson Pesci Glover dynamic even with yeah. pants. Yeah. Mm-hmm. It's almost like it came right from here at the station. One of them subpoenaed for abuse. I think it's is it Hughes. Yeah, that's the joke at the station. They're constantly getting subpoenaed for things and, and <laughs> being bad police being yes police brutality was funny back then in the 80s oh yeah <laughs> i mean uh, we all knew that they targeted minorities but it wasn't as funny as it, uh <laughs> now it's not as funny they then hang out at a bar uh their their local hangout uh talking to some woman and we cut to apparently the next morning where costanzo arrives at hughes's apartment who parks his motorcycle in his apartment and he has the sirens go off, and he's got donuts. Hughes is in bed with the the woman from the other night. When they get to the precinct, Costanzo's wife's there, and she tells him she's getting married to a dentist. And then, dentist. To a dentist. And then a lawyer drops by looking for Costanzo, and it's played by Don Kafka, who he just recently passed away, but he was the he was the mort, uh, mortician guy or whatever from Return of the Living Dead in the red jumpsuit. Yes. Oh, how funny. Yeah. Real fun actor, little character actor. 
and a lot of things. And real good uh, guy to like his like he's been a like real loved person at conventions and stuff too. He's been a real big staple. The lawyer wants to give uh, Costanzo forty thousand from his aunt Rose's will. Mm-hmm. Which you know he's been avoiding because they yeah. think it's another subpoena. Uh, the, their chief, by by Adaya, uh, tells him that the jumper from the previous day, which we all just kind of went ha 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 about, actually died of drowning and was a cop from the South Side. It, the, his name, Alan Jackson. Alan Jackson. <laughs> Apparently, it was hotter than hoochie coochie up on that roof. And right. Take it. They offer Snake a deal, but in order to do it, they have him do a police lineup with four other police officers. Number five, would you step forward, please? That's him. That's the one. They have to be absolutely positive, sir. I am absolutely positive. Who could forget that face? I saw it through the screen. Turn to the right, please. Uh, Not you, sir. Number five. What the hell is this, man? Just do as you're told, number five. Definitely the one. You bastard! Numbers one through four. Thank you very much. A snake ends up getting released anyway. Uh, this time, though, his case suitcase only has five thousand in it. So now he agrees to wear a wire for them to set up Gonzalez. They fall snake to a ship where they learn about weapons and all this stuff through the wire. But they go in and find out it's a trap that Snake was trying to let them in on because Julio is present on the ship, and Snake thinks he's done a good job. But Julio is like, "No, you brought them to me," and he has him killed. He shoots Snake, but then a shootout ensues because two of Julio's men are undercover DEA agents. Hughes and Casanzo, through this shootout, end up finding Julio hiding before the the undercover DEA agents do. Gonzalez then says, "You know, he, they'll be dead. He'll have them." But uh, before they take him off, he they flaunt them, him in front of the DEA guys, which are played by John Grease and Stephen Bauer. Was Was anyone else surprised that Snake was shot already? Yeah, I thought this was. Yeah, I thought this was going to be like the, the Joe Pesci part in the movie. And he's, <laughs> I, you know, really, it's like, oh, he's our snitch, yeah. you know. But he was gone, I don't know, like 20, 25 minutes into the movie. Yeah, there's ample room where he could have returned because there's another snitch later in the movie that could have just been him like, oh, we got to go back to so-and-so or, you know, something like yeah, that. they but... had really good chemistry. I, I was really surprised by it. But uh, I almost I almost said no, it's not Snake. When he got <laughs> <laughs> well, in the undercovers, it's like, oh, it's Stephen Bauer. You know, he was in Scarface, and then you know, John Grease at the time, take or leave how big a part he gets. But you know, Stephen Bauer, I would think, would have a bigger part than this. But he's small supporting role. And I, I have a question: the title, Running Scared, does that refer to Julio Gonzalez? Is that the person no. who's running scared? No, no, no. Because I feel like I feel like our cops aren't really running scared at all. They're they're pretty confident. They go after Julio like a ton in this movie. Yeah, but they also fuck up going after him a ton in this movie because they get caught up being scared, like wearing the wearing the bulletproof vest, like running off to like they resist going on vacation, but then when they get on vacation, they're all they're like different people. Yeah. You know? Okay. Uh, so they, like, Nature Boonhounds on vacation. Yeah. Well, right, right. Because you could be that way in the 80s, and it wasn't, like, misogynistic. Right. In the 80s, you could bang as many ladies as you liked, and it wasn't misogynistic. Now, of course, logically, it is. And the, and the ladies, they could bang up to three. Well, yeah, up to three. <laughs> That's all you get. That's right. That's right. That's a very good point. <laughs> but, no, I think they're running scared because they're, like, once they get a taste of the good life, they really are scared like through the most through the rest of the movie like okay. throwing the pants 
like, that makes sense. That is just about that really scared. Yeah, that makes sense because I was I was thinking about like every time I'm you know see Julio Gonzalez, he's running from <laughs> from getting arrested. Yeah, he is. <laughs> and so yeah. I was like, oh, it's and and he keeps trying to you know make deals with these cops. So I'm like, I, they may be getting to him. So I I thought. Like, well, maybe. Yeah, I don't know if there is a scene in this movie where Gonzalez is not about to be arrested. Yeah, right. Yeah. They're really good at finding him. He's really he's shitty at hiding, or they're really good at finding him. Yeah, but he, he's just good at not getting caught. And, like, just don't talk to people. Just talk to like three guys and have them run the operation outside of the building. Just wait till things cool off. You yeah. Tool. He's good at not getting tool. caught. So the captain. You know, at first seems happy about it, but he's not because he screwed up. A, they screwed up the DEA operation, and he forces vacation on our two cops, and they go to Key West, and we get a montage of beach babe antics, which them yeah. on like scooters or mo- mopeds or whatever, and you know, every time they pass a the car, there's a different girl on the back. Because who uh, could say no to the handsome Gregory Hines face? <laughs> Uh, I mean, I mean, Billy Crystal. He, he uh, I'm not gonna say he's a looker, but at least he looks human. Gregory Hines has something else going on with his face. He needs that personality and the dance moves to make up for his face. Oh my gosh, you're going, you're going all in on this guy. Wow. I'm just, I'm just, I'm just calling it as I see it. Yeah, fair. Okay. He has a very nice <laughs> smile. He has a very nice smile. It's the complete <laughs> package with him. He's a confident yes. guy. That's why he gets the ladies. He's a confident guy, and uh, he's uh, adamant about what he believes. Charisma. Yeah, charisma he's, works, man. He's he's uh, charismatic and he's very tall. He has those two. It's those are two of the things he has going for him. Yes, agreed. And also their their whole not their whole time in Key West, but like the time when they're on scooters with different babes. Oh yeah. Entirely set to sweet freedom. Yep. Which. <laughs> We were talking earlier about the, the the awesome video for Sweet Freedom with Michael McDonald and, and Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines. Casanzo <laughs> <sighs> on this vacation becomes uh, convinced that they need to quit and live in Key West, open up a business. And it takes a while, but Hughes finally agrees, and they get a loan from the bank, and they return to in a sh- crop top and yes! roller skates. I yeah, they the roller out. skate out of there. Yeah, <laughs> Gregory Hines loves showing off that midriff. So, <laughs> and by the way, yeah. more roller skating. We can't. We get can't. Away yes, from it. this three weeks in a row, three episodes in a row with roller skating. Oh man, I just. Plus, we talked about boogie nights yeah. off there. So there, yeah. there's a connection. I don't know. Whatever. More ne- roller skating on the next <laughs> cult cinema cavalcade. James Con in rollerball. <laughs> <laughs> Skating your way through 2017. All right. As long as we don't watch the one with LL Cool J. Oh, no. Please, no. The boys, they go back to Chicago to give their notice, and the captain tells them Gonzalez is back on the streets because he made bail. So they vow to catch him again, and they've got 30 days, and they're going to go out like heroes. And then they start wearing flak jackets, which, I mean, was it, like, uncool to wear one of these things back then? Because Billy Crystal gets his on, and they're like, man, that's going to smell like socks. Or be like, oh, you wussy. It's like, uh, I would wear one daily. I mean, <laughs> right. It's Chicago. Like, doesn't help Once you if you get shot in the head. Yeah. 
Yeah. Any anything you did to protect yourself, you were a pussy. I don't care how strong he was. I don't care how strong they were. Arnold and Sly, yeah. bullets weren't bouncing off their chests. Exactly. Exactly. <laughs> yes. So well, they did have more meat to stuff the bullets than Billy Crystal or Gregory Hines. Yeah. That's fair. They start their search for Gonzalez, and the hunt goes to an apartment building, and yeah. after a tip they got, and they find but. They find Julio Gonzalez right away, and they get in this uh, chase where he's, like, a few floors below them, and there's all these, like, decks and stuff, and uh, he's in, like, a robe and, like, tidy whities Or, like, silk tidy He just got done banging someone's mom. That's right. And they got Uzis and stuff, and he takes the hostage. And this is one of the iconic moments from this movie. He makes them take their pants off to throw down to him, which he puts on one of their pants. I'm guessing it's Gregory Hines. Jimmy Schmitz is kind of a tall guy, and he leaves to steal their car, and they both come out with, like, long underwear on, shooting at it. Yes. And Gregory Hines has the whitest firing stance ever seen. <laughs> if he got any whiter, he'd be doing the splits. And he's not, he's not riding a horse, he's riding the alley. He's not, he's not yes. Yeah, he is. And then there's a parade of cops show up when they just had to ask for one backup. And they all seem to laugh at them because, hey, look, you could, the, the drug dealer got away. The captain tells them that he's given them two replacements to train, which are the DEA guys from earlier in the film. That's right. And we get a moment, a weird moment where Hughes goes to an apartment and he starts grilling this guy. Yeah, I'm looking for Mr. M.J. Thomas. M.J. Thomas is a Miz, not a mystic. What do you want, pal? That's why it's going to be fine. Officer Hughes. I have a warrant for her arrest. What? Unpaid parking tickets. Lots of them. I've told her a million times. It's for you. She'll be in a minute. Ends up being the girl from the bar earlier in the movie. I was confused at this point. I'm like, what are they doing here? And then I saw I saw her and I was like, oh, okay. And I don't, don't, I don't remember. Like, I didn't remember her saying she had a boyfriend or anything early in the film, but... You, I, don't, you don't you don't see uh, Gregory Hines look up any information on this woman or anything. He just shows up at someone's apartment and starts hassling some guy. But he goes he goes to their old hangout bar because it's his birthday, and then of course that means Anna, Katzanz's ex wife, is there with the cake, and she lets us know she's still marrying that dentist. Okay, <laughs> nothing's gonna change. Nope. And uh, next day at the station, uh, the the DEA guys are there and they notice that the car that Jimmy Schmitz has stolen and you know totaled up has been revamped to look like a taxi and would they yeah. th- they get laughed at but then Gregory Hines backs it into their little suite with the Camaro that they, they drive they were yeah. driving yeah and scratch it was it yeah. was it a Trans Am it was a Trans Am he's like yeah now yeah. now it looks more accurate it was it was what we were told in the 80s looked awesome Whereas yeah. now we think it's white trash. Or it's yes. the stereo remote with the the cord attached to it. Mm-hmm. Yep. That yes. And and I gotta say, I think that taxi is a pretty sweet ride. It's a pretty sweet ride. Yeah. <laughs> I'd take it. It had it had bulletproof glass. I don't. If I thought it was a cop. Yeah, yeah. Give me the bulletproof glass. Couldn't throw down their windows because it was bulletproof glass. They go check on this apartment, and it turns immediately into a sloppy shootout. It's interesting. It's almost like a realistic shootout, because Hughes goes to kick down a door, and he gets his foot caught in it. And then Costanzo gets shot by uh, John Grease, but he's shot in the vest. 
Right. And and then at, that's at, what happens when you're running scared, Brandon. That's what happens. There you go. <laughs> and then meanwhile, by the way, this movie did have a song that was like running scared. It was like super eighties, it where it's like we got to get the title in the movie, and a couple of verses have to sound like something that happened in the movie. All right. That's why I'm running scared. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, short of Huey Lewis in the news singing it, it was it was uh, on point. There aren't enough movies that have like a rockin' theme to them anymore that yeah. needs to happen it's a lost art it's a lost art which is well, something people always forget how good night ranger's secret of my success is people forget right. how good that fucking song is that song was great right well and, you remember and, like freakin when he did live and die in la he told wang chung yeah. when he told wang chung he's like do not make a song with the title in it do not do it <laughs> And then they did it, and he was like, all right, fine. That works. That does work. Sorry. Oh, mistakes we can make, yes. Oh. And it's another movie that we've done that uh, they have a song written for the title of the movie, just like the last episode. Yep, that's true. We keep doing those. We find a way to segue into each episode. We thought we didn't, but we're still skating. So, <laughs> so meanwhile, in an airport, there's drugs found on a plane, but it can't just... Dis- it can't be tied to Gonzalez because he didn't show to pick him up, even though he's like there watching from a distance. And the cops want to make a big deal of it to the press, but Hughes and Costanzo stumble on the fact that it was actually a decoy, and Gonzalez is really smuggling it in via this priest with Bibles and whatnot. And then Gonzalez sees them at the airport at the pickup and freaks out, and then they get in this car chase. Again, through the- Gonzalez about to be arrested. Yes. Now yeah, Gonzalez is exactly. running scared. Like this, I think this is the point in the movie where I was like, maybe he's the running scared because he flips. So they they go in this this pretty awesome chase that goes through the runway. It goes through the airport, the drop off, the runway, the exit, onto a freeway, and then later onto some train tracks. Yeah, they're on the L in a car chase. Yes, That's pretty awesome. It's pretty good stuff. And and Gonzalez ends up getting away. But they had the priest and the nun in the back the whole time. I do love when they're in the car and, like, Billy Crystal just yells out, I hate this! Make a good time! That was really good. (laughs) They grill the priest and the nun at the station, but they find it's not drugs in their souvenirs, it's sand, and they really don't know what they're doing. And the police captain's mad, but after they get embarrassed, they find that, like, is it the vase that they had is like made up of drugs? Yeah. They start like scratching yeah, it up yeah. and it, yeah, and it's like powder. So then there's. I don't a, understand why they would like make. Uh, why the dolls would be full of sand then? Like, why even bother, you know, with a bag of sand? It seems like an extra step. I don't. I don't smuggle drugs. So I don't know why you would do that. <laughs> I love that. Well, there's this informant they found earlier in the movie and let go. He's at a top two parlor now, cause and they find him because his info was bunk. And after you know forcing him, faking like they're gonna draw, a ta- they're drawing a tattoo on his face, he gives up where he believes Gonzalez is. And then while staking out this location, a garbage truck comes and grabs the taxi and lifts it in the air. And Gonzalez comes out from the shadows. He says, "I know, I hear you're retiring to Florida." And he offers them hundred and forty thousand dollars for their mortgage on their bar, and if he, if they give him his drugs back. And Costanzo tells him to stick it. Well, I like Gregory Hines is like, hey, I don't got 40000 coming from my aunt. <laughs> it's like, you don't need what to make was... these decisions for me. 
I also love that the garbage truck has lifted them in the air, and they're like at a 45-degree angle. And I think Billy Crystal says, we got you right where we want you. Yes. Yeah. And uh, they, they basically tell him to stick it, and the car gets dumped in the compactor, and they barely escape being crushed. But they steal Julio's car the next morning, and they pop in some super 80s music and drive around looking to get attention, which returns them to the basketball courts from the beginning. Julio ends up calling their car phone, and uh, after he hangs up on them, they call the DEA guys acting like they have a hot tip. Oh, hello. Can I talk to Detective Sigliano and Detective Montoya, please? My name is Pinky. Is this a detective? I, I usually inform for use and Costanza, but they don't pay me no more. Oh, no. So I'm just watching the new Jeopardy, and a man missed a Bible question because he did not know what Deuteronomy was. Oh, yeah, I'll help you. I want you to get Gonzalez and show up using Costanzo. They don't pay me no more on a mayor. Oh, no. The dummy dances Ipswich clams. The man who can take to Gonzalez, his name is... Adam Robertson. He's a highfalutin lawyer type who lives at 1358 Lakeshore Drive. Oh, Mother! Mother! Can I have some more petite marshmallows in my hot cocoa? My, gotta go. Final deputy on. But it's really just to have Hughes' lady friend's boyfriend arrested. And Anna then is at Costanzo's when he gets there. And she has an insurance policy that, you know, might need to change because she's on his. And she gets yeah. married, he probably won't want her on it. But he says to, you know, keep it, which turns into a fight about her getting married. And you get the idea that she still wants to be with him. You know, they fight about it. And she, you know, this is the whole, whole 80s thing about, you know, growing up or whatever that I think created a bunch of us that, you know, never grow up now. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, 80s. Thanks. Hey, hey, no, thank you, 80s. I didn't have to, you know, I could still be a kid. <laughs> On her way out, two goons snag her, of course, because this is the 80s. A lot of other temptations won't get them to play ball with Julio, but a damsel in distress yeah. will. How did they know where she was, or... They just knew or... where he lived. So I'm sure they were well, watching. Well, how did they know that they were together? It was someone coming from his apartment. They probably figured, well, he probably he, there's a good chance he might care about this person. Mm-hmm. So... Mm-hmm. Well, I mean, she wasn't like a knew, a like, postal worker delivering a package and leaving. I mean, she was. Yeah, but I remember when Julio walked up, he knew that they had bought a bar in Florida. Yeah, so, he, so he's yeah. got his connections on on the force. He's got his corrupt cops, cops that he can rely. This so is true. They probably were staking out Costanza's place and staking out uh, Gregory Hines' place, and they thought this was the better one, better person to kidnap because there's mm-hmm. more of a connection. It, yeah, okay. And I mean, it's not saying I'm not saying it makes logical sense. I'm just saying probably within the world it makes sense. If you world. think movie logic with it, it probably yeah. If he came in the scene yeah. before and knew of like bank loans and stuff, he probably knows he's got an ex-wife. And <laughs> yeah, I guess that's true too. He, yeah, I, I didn't think about the bank loans thing. Yeah, in a completely other a different state. So, yeah, he's got connection. He is the next Al Capone. He knows everything. He knows everything. <laughs> Julio then calls him, says he'll give her back for the shipment, of course. Costanzo goes and once again interrupts Hughes' fornication, sees how he wants to handle it, and he says... <laughs> he says... <laughs> They're also humping to the least romantic song ever. They really are. Hey, just put the radio on. You can't control that once you're... You know. <laughs> it wasn't even techno. I don't know what the hell you'd even call it. 
I don't know who would buy that music and put it in their home. Hey, Hughes, man. Maybe it was the leftover cassettes from uh, Gonzalez's car. <laughs> I, I hope it was. That makes it better somehow. Uh, hey, let's help to a drug lord's music. <laughs> woman I've met three <laughs> times. He's, he's three for three with her, isn't he? Anyways. So, well, how can you say another Gregory Hines? So they, they get on the police motorcycle from the apartment. Hughes then goes to the evidence uh, room and tries to get the coke. Gonzalez's coke and the guy's unsure and he calls the captain who is actually Costanzo doing an impression of the captain from his office and then when he shows up is able to give him the evidence because of the phone call like it was like well if his partner shows up then give it to him I don't understand why you trust the both of them but right by, by the way the uh, officer at the desk with the drugs I don't remember his name right now but that is Mr. Osmonic the neighbor on ALF Oh, it was also wow. in American Ninja. Oh yeah, okay. I never thought I'd see Mr. Osmonic in anything else. He's now, now been on two him. episodes of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. Yeah. They go to back to the bar, and the owner's closing it for them as they're loading up Uzis, and they bitch about what they don't like about Florida. And then the DEA guys show up pissed, but they end up getting knocked out, and you know Costanzo and Hughes run off, which the DEA guys end up following and then the exchange goes down at the state building and they devise a little plan and it and it goes down and hughes finds the one the informant guy that they had the tattoo parlor is in there dressed like a cop and he takes him to see that all the security and staff are tied up and in a cage because they agreed to meet at a public place but it looks like it's been compromised and then costanzo enters and sees anna in a glass elevator high up and so hughes uses a window washer rig to climb all the way up this damn building. It's a, it is a tall building. And I got to tell you what. Props Peter Himes. The the action's been good in this movie, but the scale of this finale is like IMAX level awesome. Like I could yeah. like I would I would kill to see like this stuff like reformatted and on like an IMAX screen cuz it like yeah. it just looks mm-hmm. I mean even on my like my TV, I'm sitting there getting like kind of like Ear, like you know, height weariness yeah. of like, oh my gosh, oh, and it's just per- like when Billy Crystal walks into the building and looks up, when Heinz yeah. is climbing the building, yeah. when they're scaling, and when they're on the elevators. I'm like, this is uh, outstanding. Like this yeah. movie, I mean, this movie is solid enough, but I mean, I don't know if it deserves to have like it's led us to have action of this scale, but this is huge. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I just yeah, this is what I, this is what champions the film for me. It is actually. A really well done film with fantastic action sequences that keep you on the edge of your seat, and they're innovative. The, yeah. uh, no one had ever done a car chase scene on the L, for God's sakes. Right. And no one, no one ever. And that ending scene is so, like, it is so tight. Everything leads to itself. Everything is cut off mm-hmm. by itself. These things that come in that unsettle, like the two young cops running in, Bauer and Grease running in. Like all there's the degree of difficulty constantly is getting upped and upped throughout the whole battle sequence, fight sequence, and even right at the beginning where Anna has to jump from one elevator to the other, there is like that's their connection. Yeah, she is so legitimately afraid of that she's almost frozen with fear, and he's like, and this is one of these rare moments on screen with Billy Crystal where he is legitimately angry, and you yeah. never see this with Billy Crystal, right? To see him go, job, like there's just a real desperation in the anger because he loves her so much. And so, mm-hmm. to me, this is what's fantastic about the film. It's not just 
a throwaway paint-by-numbers buddy cop movie. There's some real drama in this movie. There's some real yeah. emotional connection between the characters that is levels deep. And anyone who tells, says or scoffs can kiss my fucking ass because it, <laughs> it is legitimate. Like, it's legitimately has... And this is what brings me back because I like movies that explore the depth of psychological connection between human beings. And in, even in something as frivolous as a buddy cop film, Peter Hyams does a great job. And the script... And the actors do a great job of bringing these levels to life within the script. And I think this is great stuff. And the action sequences just are like... The you don't work. expect it from something like this. It's like, no, whoa! It's yeah. I, it's, I just, yeah, I couldn't... The technical, you know, whoever... Uh, whoever, I mean, the second unit, first unit... I mean, this is just, yeah. wow. It's, I, it's a good technical... I mean, if you're looking for, like, really good, like, well-shot action stuff, I mean, look no further. Like, this is impressive and you know yeah i think some of the like connections and and traveling through a lot of the mystery and stuff in this movie is kind of like i it gets a little lost on me but it's the characters and this like prof- technical proficiency that really keep it high up for me and not worrying about it as well casanzo gets he gets in an elevator and he rides up and they stop him which is just kind of a cool thing to you know like oh trap him in the elevator and makes him show the drugs Anna's elevator climbs up equal to his but then it's just you know they open fire on it then the DEA guys show up Hughes crashes through the window and scales down you know yelling at the cops how many many stories do you think he shoots down I don't know but he doesn't even get all the way because he's yeah it stops still pretty high up Anna's elevator is locked and John mentions she has to jump to Costanzo and then as a Costanzo can't really do anything, but so he just starts throwing the coke to the floor of the ele- from the elevator. Just a massive shootout's going on, and Gonzalez gets hit. And while they're arguing, of course, they go back to the bit of arguing who shot him between Hughes and Costanzo. Gonzalez is still alive, and he shoots around, and Costanzo gets hit. He ends up getting sh- Gonzalez gets shot, and he falls on an escalator head first, and just kind of slowly goes down, which is pretty cool. Then yeah, it was an awesome way just to like. <laughs> Our bad guy is dead, folks. Our movie's almost over. And this movie knows it's fucking over because Anna Costanzo hook back up. Dentist who? They split cigars yeah. with the DEA dudes. Decide they need to stay. Ask him if they want to buy that bar. Freeze frame 80s music credits. <laughs> Boom. <laughs> Done. We're not staying any longer. It was perfect. Like it, it, was a, it, it was a freeze frame with like the name of the director that popped up immediately afterwards, yeah. too. Oh, it was perfect. Yeah. With this fun, uplifting song. Yeah. And that was it. I mean, I don't. I mean, we didn't talk much about Jimmy Schmitz, but he was pretty awesome in this movie. Yeah. I, I, I'm just a sucker for Jimmy Schmitz. I've always been a big fan. Like any show he's been on, I've given at least one episode watch. Mm-hmm. I thought he was fantastic. Like his run on uh, NYPD Blue was fantastic. Back Absolutely. in the day, I, like well, I, was, I, I defend his season of Dexter maybe just because I'm a Schmitz apologist. I uh, looked forward to seeing him in episode, or I'm sorry, in Rogue One. Yes. Yes. He's in Rogue One. <laughs> it, 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 it's silly, but I was excited to see him again. Yeah. Totally. He's, I mean, uh, he's just, I mean, he's just, a, he's been mainly a staple of television throughout his career, but he's just such a fantastic actor. Cool to see, like these were. I mean, this is back when he was just getting like a lot of typical Latino parts. Because there was mm-hmm. that. What was that yeah. almost movie he was in? Oh, Old Gringo. The Old Gringo movie was with Jane Gringo? Fonda and Gregory mm-hmm. Peck. I had to watch it. I had to watch it in a class, and it was like, I think we were watching it because it was like the most like stereotypical like Latin American movie, like or Latino movie, and yeah. 
it's it's a good thing that he stayed in Chicago while they went to uh, Key West, because otherwise he would have been cleaning up. <laughs> he would have driven by them in his own uh, moped, and then he would have the the <laughs> car would come by, and then they'd be guys, on his moped, and then Billy Crystal and Gregory guys. Ryan it was called together. My Family. <laughs> that was from 1995. Oh, sounds yep. electrifying. <laughs> Yeah. Me Jennifer oh, Lopez yeah, was in it. Uh, yeah. James Almost. That's right. Yeah. Sam Morales. Yep. I remember this. I didn't watch it. Is it no, my it's my family. At least I am. Well, it probably was Me Familia, and IMDb is gone. My family. Yeah. Well, people rarely get a film to themselves, so they threw everybody that who has remotely said one word on screen as a Latino yeah. in the film. Yeah. So. Yeah. They were. Yeah. They're coming out of the '80s where it was like. Oh, I know Latino actors, Jimmy Schmitz and Edward James Almost, right? Like, no, there's... <laughs> yeah, and, and yeah, the rest. Was, oh, we've come so far and still are far away. And still yeah, now we're back traveling back. backwards, but that's for another podcast. <laughs> <sighs> okay. I brought donuts. You brought donuts. I was going to get some of those French things, but I hate saying that word. Croissants? Boom. You say it wrong and you sound stupid, so... Now comes the part in the episode where we rate the movie we just talked. As we are cult cinema cavalcade, we keep the ratings nice and culty. Our options are stay with your family, which means you're kind of running scared away from this movie. You didn't like it. Converted, which means you're kind of run, running okay. Uh, you you were fine with the movie. It was decent decent uh, jaunt, and yeah, you you maybe watch it again. And drink of the Kool Aid, which means you're running confidently. You love the movie. It's one of your favorites, and. You know, you know, want to want the world to rediscover running scared. So, John, how do you rate running scared? Drinking the Kool Aid. I still drink the Kool Aid, and I will champion this film to anybody to watch it because it's so so much fun. And if you can understand the time when this thing came out, you'll really enjoy it. Cullen, Billy Crystal and Gregory Hines have great chemistry. They're both, you know, pretty funny guys, especially at this uh, period of time. But it's just great to see them. Uh, together it's surprising though that this is uh, a comedy it's one of the genres it is but there aren't that many quotable lines and but it is funny but it's just interesting that there's nothing that uh, that quotable about it it's really it really feels like they focused on the story and the action and the comedy came later and i think that that's probably because originally when this was written it was intended for two cups that were older instead of younger like, originally, it was supposed to be Gene Hackman and Paul Newman as the cops. Mm. Oh, but then, yeah, but then the the, uh, the writer said, like, oh, we're going to make him younger instead. And so it was Travolta got, and Selleck um, was the next, what they were going to do. And then Selleck mm-hmm. had to back out, and Travolta didn't yeah. feel it was right for him. Yeah, uh, Selleck would have been, I think they, I don't know. They, it would have been I think a they struck gold movie. with what they ended up with. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. These these two feel like uh, Chicago cops in in the winter time, surrounded by foam snow. Did you notice that? How all the <laughs> yes. snow like there's there's bright green grass and leaves on the trees in the middle of winter. But that's not a, that's not a detriment to the movie. It's just something I noticed, and it's like it's a, like that's a little silly movie. Come on, what are you trying yeah. to pull here? But I, I will say that I am converted on this. I, I, I'm not going to watch it every couple of months like, like Johnny here, <laughs> but I do, I do like it. And I do think it's worth a watch. And I think it's unfortunate that people don't seem to remember that this movie existed. 
Hey, Michael McDonald wrote. I'm not sure if he wrote "Sweet Freedom" for this. I wish he did. That'd be so awesome. But it's featured prominently in the soundtrack, so that's a big deal. Brandon, how do you rate? I want to say first, I'm happy you were a good converted on this because you you didn't have the best attitude going into it, not due to having to watch the movie because you had a troublesome path to get to watch the movie because your what your like your Netflix disc was scratched or something. Or what was it? Just scratched one whole side of it cracked. <laughs> So I could like move the disc, like 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 it was like I could like rub it the sides broken against yeah. each other. It's yeah. Terrible. So I mean, you were yeah, you were in the the toppest of spirits, and I was like, oh man, if he doesn't like this movie, this could be a long ride. But I'm glad you liked it. Uh, me, me, I'm I'm converted. I have a weird kind of history with the movie. I my aunt, I remember she had more movies than this, but like. This and the original Ghostbusters she had on VHS whenever I'd be at her house, I would watch one of the two. And I was probably way too young to be watching this movie, but I'd pop it in. And it was weird because I thought I remembered this. I, well, I remembered stuff from this movie, but I was, like, way off on, like, chronology. Like, I thought the, the boat shootout was, like, the finale. And I remember I remember the, the blue light Gregory Hines sex scene because I was a little pervy kid probably, and that stuck out to me. I saw a boob, and there, there's stuff just kind of jumbled in there, and then I was like, oh, wait, the punk guy? That was Joey Pants? Oh, okay. So, no, it was cool, and, and going back to it was a, a really awesome revisit. Like Colin said, like, I wish, you know, more people remembered this movie, and it sucks because, like, Gregory Hines was a elite and, like, A-list person back in the day that's kind of been forgotten yeah. because, I don't know, he didn't have, like, a lot of geek centric movies maybe that get looked back upon or staple comedy. Like this is probably one of his bigger common titles that people could remember. It's just, it's just a really solid mid-level movie. Yeah. And, and he's, I mean, he passed away far too early and it just, it sucks that uh, there's not a lot for people to remember Gregory Hines, but he was a top, your guy like like we were talking about latino actors he's probably one of the most known black actors back in the 80s and yeah it's just crazy but i'm gonna go strongly converted almost with the kool-aid almost there and i started i started i enjoyed the hell out of this movie a lot you know i i enjoyed it a lot watching it but i enjoyed i started even getting more appreciated liking and more talking about it with you guys too so i don't want to like jump on the kool-aid right now but that was it was a i had a ton of fun appreciating this this movie and it's definitely something i will revisit sooner than i had before in the past but it's got a stat cast i like seeing <laughs> darlene flugel in something because you know i really to live and die on la is one of her big ones and then there's this but i enjoy yeah. her and she wasn't in a lot it seems like that yeah. you know from this well, she became an yeah, acting teacher. Okay. What happens is, like, she the, the stuff started drying up, and so she became an acting teacher. So she teaches at a college. I think it's on the East Coast in Florida. But she, uh, the the stuff started drying up. You know, she right. worked almost consistently, and maybe because she wasn't willing to play the game a certain way, the other actresses were at that Which, time. And, and for her, she got yeah, solutions. And there's nothing weird. wrong with that. Yeah, it's just like um, like I just did a. Just did a review of like I just did a Blu-ray review of a Dirty Dancing and like Cynthia Rhodes she just disappeared to raise kids like oh and, yeah uh, right. and I, I liked I I liked her and then um uh Phoebe Cates too she yeah. just they wanted to be moms yeah more power to them because that's a, that's yeah, a that's, that is a challenge so exactly I think the last thing I remember him being fun in or her rather being her her being fun in was uh, Lock Up oh that's right so yeah that's just a film. She, She's in the prison with him, you know, and 
that. And I remember hearing Crime Story, if people remember the 80s film yeah. Crime Story. And of course, Tough Guys, the Kirk, the Burt Lancaster, Kirk Douglas film, where they come out of jail after 30 years in jail, and they're older, and they're, they used to be, they used to rob trains, and they have to assimilate back into the 80s. And she is like this teacher of aerobics that Kirk Douglas ends up like betting for a little part of the movie. And they end up breaking up because he realizes that he, like, she's amazing. He can't hang with her in the way that she needs. Is it? And she's so sweet. It's such a sweet breakup on film. But it's like, it's she plays these parts that are, like, different from the part okay. before. And that's what's so great about her. Because in To Live and Die LA, she's pretty hardcore yeah. in her part, you know, as a prostitute, have you, and stuff. And whereas in, in Running Scared, she's like this, like, divorced woman who's trying to move on with her life because she really loves Billy, but she couldn't take the fact that he could die at any moment as a cop and he wouldn't slow down. He liked living on the edge. And it's weird to talk away. about Billy Crystal in a role like that. Straight. Living on the edge. Right, exactly. <laughs> like, you're not describing mm. Billy Crystal. Yeah, right. <laughs> Do you mean Father's Day <laughs> Billy Crystal? That can't be the same. <laughs> All right. right. Yeah. And so those kinds of things. And yeah. But that's, I don't know. I don't know. You know, that's what I love about it. Just, it's such a great, great performances all around. And even Stephen Bauer, who, you know, is unrecognizable. Yeah, totally unrecognizable. From, yeah, from, uh, from Scarface. And, of course, Dead Ringers. And then later on, Ray now, Donovan. Ray Donovan. He's fantastic. I've, uh, I've, I've gotten over his double birding me and telling me to F you, man, from back in the day. I had I had a run-in <laughs> with him one time. And I, yeah. You did, really? I got, he, yeah. Oh. Uh, I... He, I don't know. We can talk about it off air. I've gotten over it. And then he did a really good interview on oh, the Raising Cain uh, Blu-ray that just came out that, that oh, fixed yeah. the sequence of that movie and made it so much better. Oh, I got it confused. Raising Cain. Not yeah, Dead Raising Cain. Raising yeah, uh, De Palma. Dead Ringers is the one with Jeremy Irons and, and uh, yeah, yeah, Timothy yes. Bouillon, whereas uh, Raising Cain is one with John Lithgow and Louis Le- yes, Davidovich. Yep. And, I, and Stephen Bauer. Yes. Right? And then recently someone like fixed, the, they put the the order that De Palma intended, and now he's been championing that cut. So if you put it on Blu-ray, if you go oh. to put it on Blu-ray in some country or whatever, De Palma will intercede and make sure you put that that cut on your Blu-ray. Yeah. Uh-huh. When it's, it okay. fixes the movie. It really does. It becomes very much more sure De Palma Hitchcocky, and it's 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 really good. It's a better movie that way. I can't not watch it that way. Hmm. Doctor? Kind of. Kind of, it's kind of a doctor. He's a dentist. Oh shit. Oh shit. Do they play the same music at home they play in the office? On the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade, we're going to kick it with Gregory Hines still and cover 1991's Eve of Destruction, where he goes against a basically a fembot or whatnot. And Colin? Yes. It's the 90s. <laughs> Is Aaron coming back? Aaron's coming back <laughs> for Eve of Destruction. Okay. <laughs> so tune in for next time. I want to I want to thank uh, John Stephen Roca for coming back to Colton McCavalcade again. Probably. Well, thank you. Yeah, thanks for having me back on. Thank and you, uh, if, if you want to, thank thank you for uh, mentioning this movie. I would not have watched it otherwise. So thank you. I hope I hope I convert more of you, more of people like you, to watch this movie because it needs to be. It We're bringing to be it back. Movie. Like there's a there's. A, there's a strong uh, contingent of people who love this movie. When I went to see it in New Beverly, it was All sold right. out. It was sold out. And I was like, this is amazing for a film that's like over 30 years old. 
people to show up and watch it. It's fantastic. Yeah. And do you want to, real quick, uh, tell people where they can find you at on the interwebs? Yeah, you guys can always find me at the Rochasess, R-O-C-H-A-S-A-Y-S. I'm always there communicating with people, talking with people, having a good time. And I'm always happy to talk with people and, uh, you know, hear about their lives and also hear their opinions and go back and forth and also talk about the Schmodown. I'm always happy to do that. So it's a blast for me. So follow me there on Instagram and on Twitter, R-O-C-H-A, the Roca says, which is my homage to the one. This episode has come to an end. We look forward to next time. But first, stay tuned for the trailer to Eve of Destruction, the trailer that actually trails. Dr. Eve Simmons has created a robot in her image. This is Eve 8, also known as Eve Vickers. State of the art. For all intents and purposes, she is a human. How do I look? She was programmed with much of my life experience, but we are not exactly alike. I knew we were doing some robot research, but this thing... She's a brilliant machine who's learning to be all woman. I'd kill to have that jacket. And now... She's on the loose. Well, this is quite some toy you have yourselves here, gentlemen. I suppose you want me to put it back in its box. It's not a toy, Colonel. She's poised. I'm very sensitive. Charming. A tease. Why don't we just go take a room? With a temper. I'll call you sometime, okay? And she's having a bad day. Come on, get out of the way! I'm very sensitive. She's activated. What do you mean she's activated? She's a state-of-the-art thermonuclear warhead. A walking nuclear bomb. And once you turn her on, you'll never turn her off. If we don't find her in the next 24 hours, She'll explode with enough force to take out 20 to 30 city blocks. The target is still at large. Gregory Hines, Eve of Destruction. Not just another pretty face. Please don't say this. I'm very sensitive. to Cult Cinema Cavalcade. You can find more of Cullen's work on the Creative Zombie Studios Network and on Twitter at MyNameIsCullen. You can find more of Brandon's work at WhySoBlue.com and on Twitter at BTPeters. Podcast produced by Brad Shoemaker. Edited by Brandon. Narration by Becky. Theme song Pink Baby by Happy Elf found on the freemusicarchive.org network. The movie in today's discussion is property of its respective studio and no infringement is intended. Please remember to leave us an iTunes rating and review. Join us again in two weeks for the next episode of Cult Cinema Cavalcade. All right. Thank you for coming on. Are you... yeah, All right, guys. no problem. Are you okay? All right, yeah, yeah, no, I just like sounded like something stuff. I was like, oh, and then he jumped then, yeah. out the window. <laughs> but, but, it, but he was drowned first. He was drowned first. <laughs> I had to answer that. That's right. <laughs> Sorry, my my little steel guitar decoration fell down randomly on my on my uh, uh, book stand here. So a little weird. So there we go. Uh,